All right, I've never heard of her before that I know of. Um, I've literally heard her name like 12 times in this past week. Marie Kondo. Anybody else? Does anybody know who I'm talking about, Marie Kondo? Just a few of you, that's it? Okay, so this is going to be a complete big, this is going to be a big bust, okay? Uh, Marie Kondo uh, has a brand new show out on Netflix. I mean, you guys have heard of Netflix, right? Anybody? Okay. All right. Uh, tidying Up. Okay, she's right here. This is this chick. Um, she, uh, she has this catchphrase. Say this with me. Does it spark joy? Yeah, so, so one of the reasons, the main reason why uh, I, I'm starting to see all these memes on social media and a lot of people are starting to talk about Marie Kondo uh, because she has a show Tidying Up. It launched last week on Netflix and part of her famous process for simplifying your life is uh, to go through all your clutter, all, go through all your stuff, and, uh, and this process where you ask each belonging one by one, does it spark joy? All right? Interesting? Interested? All right, and, and then, uh, then if, if it does, if it does spark joy, that's a keeper, okay? If it does not spark joy, anybody know what you do? Have you watched it? You say thank you. Just say thank you. Uh, so thank you. And then you get rid of it, all right? So the shirt that you've had since 1999, team building exercise, uh, you know, you pull that out, it does not spark joy. You say thank you, adios, bye-bye, okay? She gone, all right? Get rid of it. And so that's, what, that's her process. You go through everything, you know, your clothes, you go through all, everything in your house, does it spark joy? Now, another reason why I've come across uh, Marie Kondo's name in, in, in several other ways this week is because I've been reading and studying on simplicity this week. And so uh, one of the books I'm reading and some of the articles I've read, I actually reference her long before this week, you know, her new show, but some of the writings that uh, she's come out. And it, so simplicity is kind of her shtick, and, and um, they reference her. It all lines up with this net Netflix phenomenon, uh, which also coincides strategically, I'm sure, with New Year's resolutions and people wanting to simplify their lives. Um, but we have this, this desire, I think, for space. Like space in our lives. I mean, most of you say, yeah, I could use some more space, you know. And, and what we have is people are watching the show. Does the spark joy? No. Thank you. P people, are, people are, you know, slinging clothes, you know. Gracias and throwing them, you know, they're gone. Uh, and they're slinging stuff. Uh, but so today, we're uh, continuing our series called Margin. What is Margin. Margin is the space. Uh, we think of paper. Margin is the space on each side of the paper, and its whole purpose is to be blank. You know, if you're writing or if you're reading, we actually depend on that blank space so we can read and write coherently without our thoughts and our brains being all jumbled up. We need the empty space. Uh, part of this, uh, 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 this concept has been taken from this book called God Space, and I used to quote a couple weeks ago as we kicked off the series uh, on, on Margin. Uh, by Carrie Wyatt Kent, and I want to read this quote again today because it kind of embodies uh, a little bit of the heart and the soul behind the series. Uh, but she writes this, deep communion with God won't happen by squeezing God into a life full to bursting with busyness. A life full of obligations and stress that has no margin, no time, won't accommodate God's space. Don't we want that? Don't, don't we want God's space? I mean, most of us, if I were to talk to you, you would say, you know, I want to experience God. 
I want to have a deeper connection, a deeper relationship with him. I want God, as we say around here at Christ Fellowship, I want God to work in me, and I want God to work through me. Now, uh, if you're here today, you're not sure about this Jesus stuff or uh, this whole God thing quite yet, that's okay. It's a place where you can seek answers, but that's one of the things that makes our faith unique is that part of God's, uh, we as his followers are God's, uh, God's uh, agents for his plan for this world. God wants to use us for his purposes. And so uh, that's the adventure we are on, and that's why we need margin in our life for the things that matter the most. So today as we continue about talking about margin, our theme today is simplicity. And that's finding space in our soul. Space in our soul. You know, often we think of simplicity, uh, I think of the word like uh, less, right? Like simple is less. Or maybe we think of the idea of like easy. Simplicity, you know, it's, it's easy. It's not complicated. You might think of like organizing things or, or a simple process like A, B, C. And it's not complex. Um, uh, Carrie White Kent, she, she writes also, she says this Christian, the Christian practice of simplicity is not about space in my closet. It's about space in my soul. It's about space in my soul. And so simplicity has, uh, has to do with us not being weighed down. You know, we've all felt that weight before, the pressure, right? And, and, and what that is becomes a burden in our life. So simplicity has to do with not being weighed down and it offers a, a, a solution that is freedom. According to Jesus, simplicity uh, may be less connected to our stuff as it is with our mental and our emotional clutter, worry, anxiety. That's often what keeps us from simplicity. But worry often revolves, whether you realize it or not, often revolves around our stuff. And so here's what Jesus says. We're going to open up in Matthew chapter 6 today. And Jesus is, uh, we know this is part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is uh, given some pretty raw teaching. And, and he's uh, it's kind of a, a manifesto for like the kingdom of God, how we're supposed to live under his reign. And uh, in this he says in verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes and the insinuated answer is yeah life is a, a whole lot more than that uh so but sometimes we say uh when we say the phrase i don't don't worry about it right and and a lot of times we lessen the word worry a lot in our culture like don't worry about it yo you owe me a dollar i don't don't worry about it you know don't no big deal right but the word worry uh actually is a big deal it, it's um it's, it, it's, it produces anxiety. It's to be troubled with cares, to be burdened. And, and it's that place where your mind and your life becomes cluttered. And Jesus is telling us that uh, when people live in the kingdom of God under his reign, don't be troubled. Like, don't let your worry, don't let your anxiety uh, consume you. Don't let it control your mind. Uh, you know, when, don't be so worried about your life, what you eat, drink, wear, that you can't focus on those things that matter the most. Then he gives them two examples from nature. Uh, verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. Like they, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Uh, are you not much more valuable than they? Yeah, of course. 
Uh, Can any uh, one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No. In fact, a lot of people say worrying actually (laughs) takes time from your life. Uh, But why do you worry about the clothes? Uh, You see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, uh, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all splendor was dressed up like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, let's just get it clear real quick. We all need food, right? We all need clothes. Praise the Lord, right? Like, he's not saying, like, this, like stuff is bad. He's not saying stuff is inherently bad. He, he's not saying run around naked and hungry and, and live as a minimalist. He is saying that obsessing over stuff causes worry, and that is bad, okay? That's what he's saying. And so we live in a culture where stuff is supreme, like stuff is, is supreme, it, and, and, and uh, it, our souls are full um, to the point of worry, and that, because that's a natural byproduct of, of us focusing on stuff. It produces anxiety. There's more stress. And, and Jesus is like, look at the birds. Like, they're not stressed, but God takes care of them. Look at the, look at the flowers of the field. Uh, they, just naturally, God provides for them. And how much more important are you than birds and flowers? And then Jesus gives the alternative to worrying. You want to know what it is? Matthew 6, 33, as Jesus continues, he says, but, read this with me, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's Jesus's, that's his antidote to worry and to be uh, uh, stuffocated, you know. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom. So what does that even mean, seek first his kingdom? So the word seek, you're familiar with that. You've played hide and go seek, right? Uh, you know, where you are pursuing someone, unless you're my kids, in which the other day Josiah was supposed to be looking for Isaac, but Isaac uh, hid outside and we told him. So Josiah went and played Xbox and was no longer seeking his brother who was hiding outside. Uh, so not that kind of seeking, but like seeking means to pursue. Like you're, you're, you're actively involved. You're going after it. In fact, it, it has the connotation to devote serious effort to obtain it. So, so listen, when we seek, that changes things. When we seek, it costs something. Scripture says, seek first his kingdom. What does the kingdom mean? You know, we talk, uh, talk a lot about the kingdom and different people may mean different things by it. But Jesus uses this word, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, a, a lot in his teaching. And uh, those are the same thing. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, there's no difference. Um, but that means uh, that it's the reign and the rule of Jesus. It's the reign and rule of God. And it's both active now Okay, but we're going to see it fulfilled one day in the future. So through the ministry of Jesus, Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God. So like he, he um, actually his first sermons, by the way, uh, Jesus said things like repent. For what? 
for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. That was Jesus' first sermons that we have recorded. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he would do things like love, you know, the least of these. He, he, he would um, serve. He, he, he uh, fed the hungry. He healed people. He ate with the sinners. And he did all these things. And he's like, repent, the kingdom of God is here through his ministry. So it was inaugurated through the uh, coming of Jesus, but it's going to be consummated when Jesus comes back in all his glory and Jesus will reign supreme. And so the kingdom of heaven is about this world. It's about the world, all creation functioning as God intended it to uh, function. Things like that come to mind for me are like love, you know, where uh, love will be supreme. God is love. Things like truth, Things like beauty and, and justice, uh, 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 things like peace, uh, no barriers. That's how God intended his world uh, to function. And the kingdom of God is going to restore that. And guess what? We have an active job at restoring that as a church, as kingdom people. Church, when we seek his kingdom first, we are seeking God's reign in our world and in our lives. When we seek the kingdom first, we are asking God to reign over this world and asking God to reign over our individual lives. <clears throat> so Jesus isn't saying that we don't have needs. You know, he's not saying that we don't have needs. We, we all have needs, and, and he knows that. His scripture says he knows what we need. We all need food. We all need clothes. We all need, uh, we, we all need things to survive, and he gives us things for our enjoyment, and that's okay. But as people who live in the kingdom and under this reign of God, we are to strive and to seek his reign as first priority. Even more important than the food we're going to eat for lunch. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I like to eat. Right? Anybody? I like to eat, you know. But Jesus is saying that we need him more than we need the very basic necessities of life. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean, his righteousness? Uh, that is the way that we live kingdom life. That's the way that we live day Today, the values and the principles that, that God has instilled uh, for us, that's living upright, upright thinking, upright acting, uh, upright loving uh, all those who are around us. And when we do these things, Jesus says, all these things will be given to you. Now, what's the context? Our basic needs, all right? When we focus first on him, uh, that he is going to provide our basic needs. Uh, it may not be everything we want. It may not always be everything we think we deserve. But he's going to give us what we need. Then Jesus tells us, don't worry. Don't stress. Don't live with the constant tension of no space in your soul because anxiety and worry. Then Jesus wraps up this section in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. There he goes again, don't worry. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus isn't saying you can't plan, you can't make a plan for the future. He's not saying that, uh, that we can't look ahead. But he is saying that we have to live today today. We can't live tomorrow today. All right? And so sometimes we become so concerned about what's happening next that we miss the moment today. Live today well. 
Don't stress about all the stuff that tomorrow brings. And he's not even saying we won't have worry in this life. He's actually saying the opposite, that you will have worry in this life. Handle today's on its own. There's enough trouble to, for each day. Don't compound that. Live it well. Trust him. Seek him first. Our family has um, been through a season of simplicity over the past year and some change. And, um, you know, uh, we moved from, uh, back to the house that we own. Uh, we were renting, and we never wanted to be landlords, and uh, we're renting our house out. So we moved back to the house that we own, and um, it's a smaller house. I mean, it's a smaller house, and, uh, and it's a much smaller yard. We enjoyed, we enjoyed the big yard, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm still driving the same dinged up car, you know, I ain't gonna lie. That thing, uh, that thing is about to die any day now, in which I will say, thank you, okay, and I'll pass it on, <laughs> but I'm trying to drive, drive her until she dies, uh, you know, she's still dinged up, um, but we've been in the season of simplicity, um, we might have less square footage in our house, but I think we would agree that we have more space than ever in our souls. Now, I'm not saying, like, move to a smaller house, but for us, we've seen it, we've felt it. Uh, we have more time in our calendar. We have uh, more times in our lives for those things that are most important for our family, for um, putting God first, as we're always striving to do. And, and now, I think um, at, at the heart of what Jesus is saying when he says, don't worry, it is like stuff causes worry. And, and while stuff isn't bad, we all need stuff uh, that, that he's saying, don't worry. Don't, don't, don't put the stuff first. Put my kingdom first. And that way we don't get all out of whack and start worrying about all this stuff. And, and so uh, a lot of our nation is kind of on this New Year's uh, resolution, you know, uh, tidying up condo, uh, Marie Kondo is, is all the rage. And, and people are going to their closet. Is this, does this spark joy? Nope. Adios. And thank you. Gracias, you know, and they're getting rid of it. And, and um, so, like, we're going to have, like, piles of donations, you know, going out uh, to different agencies over the next few months, right? And ironically, more and more people are embracing minimalism that's living uh, more and more simply. But isn't it interesting that there's like hundreds and hundreds of books and resources and organizational charts and blogs to, to, to show us how to live minimally? Ironic, right? Now, I think the tidying up thing, there might be a lot of value in that, but uh, it's almost come to a point where it's almost become like a, a secular religion uh, with the mindset, whoever simplifies will find life. You know, it's like, it's like if we can, we can simplify, we can find life, but I think that's only partially true. Uh, Bill Hybels, he writes in a uh, book, Simplify, he says, there is no point to simpl simplifying your life if you are steering toward an end point that doesn't matter to begin with. So our goal is not just to simplify. But why, are we, why would we simplify? Man, we need that space, that margin in our souls so we can put the things that matter the most first. Ironically, I found another article on the blog, uh, The Art of Manliness. Right? Uh, but Brett and Katie McKay uh, what? I do write that. I own that. Uh, all rights reserved. 
Uh, but they write, if you have important things to do, but haphazardly cycle between engaging the work at hand and looking at your phone, forgetting what you're thinking about and struggling to get back on track, you're not living a simple life. Without purpose at the center of simplicity, your life is divided and distracted. You aimlessly drift through your days in a series of unnecessary zigs and zags. Now listen, zigzags might be fun if you're in a go-kart, if you're, they're very important if someone's shooting at you, or if you're running from a cheetah. It's not a great way to live life, okay? Zigzags. But it's not, it's not, you're welcome. It's not limited to stuff, though. Like, simplicity is, is doing less of what's not important and doing more of what matters most. How many other things crowd our soul? Like, too many competing interests, you know? Uh, too many places to be at. A schedule that's too crowded. Uh, too many obligations. It might be too much stuff. It might be clutter. Our souls get crowded, but Jesus tells us uh, as, to love, as the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and what? All your soul. And with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, church, it's hard for us to love God with all of our soul if our soul is full to the brim. To the brim. So my challenge for us today, church, is simple, yet it may... <laughs> may be one of the most complex things you've done as I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, so I have the, you may have been wondering what this here jar is for. This jar is um, full. It's full to the brim. And uh, one of the ways I think to picture this concept that we're talking about is, is this jar represents my life. It represents your life too, okay? And all of your time all of your interest, all your energy, all your effort, all your, uh, sp your space, all your money, all your stuff, all your relational and emotional energy, everything is calculated for, it's, it's held, contained right here. This represents all the margin that we have or we do not have in our life. Now, each marble actually represents something. This one right here. That's a biggie. That represents my family. Okay, they're pretty important. Um, I'm planning on hanging on to them. All right. We're going to keep that. This, this one, that represents my house. You know, we need a place to stay. That's, that's, that's a biggie. Uh, this represents my job. You know, I, I, plan, I intend to keep that. Um, this represents, you know, um, football. I have every intention of laying on the couch this afternoon watching watching some of the playoff games. Uh, this, this one represents golf. I haven't played in a while, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, this one, man, that's my dinged up car. Eh, you know, we'll hold on to it for the time being. Now, now your, your jar may be different, but you, you have a jar, okay? And I mean, it, for you, it might be shopping. It might be boots and clothes and purses. It, uh, uh, also, I have one in here. Uh, that one, yeah, that one's Lowe's, okay? Because Lowe's knows. And uh, so, so we, all, we all have a jar. Maybe it's going out to dinner. Maybe, whatever it is, having friends over. Uh, we all have our jar. But here's the thing. Most of our jars are full to the brim. Like there's, there's not, a whole lot to, not a whole lot of room left to add there. There's, there's no space. There's no margin. 
And when it comes to the kingdom of God, uh, sometimes we, we view the kingdom of God as just another piece of the puzzle, right? Like, I can, I can fit this one in here. That's the kingdom of God. That's God's reign. That's God's rule, his control uh, that impacts our life. I can put that right there on the top, right? I'll just, that fits. I can make that fit, right? doesn't really impact a whole lot. In fact, I rarely have to change anything in my life. It barely, it's barely touching anything. Yeah, I can, I can go to church, you know, try to go two Sundays in a row, right? That's doing good. Or uh, we are in church, thank you. Um, uh, I, can, I can try to be a good person, try to do something, but, you know, it's not, we'll, we'll fit it in. By and large, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be that big of a deal, you know, but, but we find ourselves in a dilemma with this thinking because the kingdom of God is not represented by something like this, by a little glass marble. The kingdom of God is, is actually something much bigger. Jesus actually tells us the kingdom of God is pervasive. It's strong. It cannot be overcome. It's, gonna, uh, uh, it's going to impact everything and should impact everything. So uh, we can maybe view this with a big rock, okay? Compared to all these little marbles, you know, that this big rock. And, and, and we take the kingdom of God that Jesus tells us to seek what? Seek first, and we tend to try to put it into a life that is already completely full. But th there's not room. There's not room for the kingdom of God in our life. There's not room for the kingdom of God in our life. So what we, what we need to do, well, you may have seen some of these illustrations uh, online, and this one is not that probably. But look, we need to empty ourselves because we're supposed to seek first what? The kingdom of God. And so, look, man, this is painful because you know what? That was important to me. <laughs> that's my family and, and uh, that's, my, that's, that's my job and it's um, my golf bag, you know, and football, you know, my, car, my car, yeah, yeah, yeah thank you. Um, and, you know, and we got all these things that are so important to us, my, my time, my space, my money, my, my friends, you know, and, and, but what if, instead of trying to squeeze the kingdom of God in with our leftovers, Jesus tells us, do we seek what? Seek first the, the kingdom of God. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, it impacts everything. Like, like, literally, this, this is going to change the shape of everything else that goes in it because it's strong, it's pervasive, it impacts everything. And so when we put the kingdom of God first and everything else uh, is built around that, we see something kind of crazy happen. It doesn't fit. Everything doesn't fit. Everything doesn't fit. And that's a, hard, that's a hard lesson for us to learn because we want to cram everything we want as, we're living, as if we're living for our kingdom. But Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be added to you. He says, so he's going to take care of our needs. He's going he's to give us a lot of our wants too. We, you know, we'll call those blessings if we want. Uh, he's going to give us those things we need. And, but guess what? There's a lot of stuff that there's just not space for because we don't have the margin, the, the space in our souls to deal with it. 
And so maybe the kingdom of God is like a rock and it's meant to be pervasive. It impacts everything in our life. It should impact everything in our life. You know, there's a lot that doesn't fit. And so maybe for a lot of us today, you're here and you might need your life shaken, you know. You might need your life shaken upside down and flipped and and turned over. And and some of the things that we hold dear are dumped out and poured out. And then the pieces are put back together with Jesus as the foundation. And so maybe God wants you to shake things up. He's been trying to work on you but you've been resisting them. Maybe your soul's crowded. You know, maybe you've been out of line. Maybe there's not room for the things that matter most. And the scripture says, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And so the question isn't, does this spark joy? As kingdom people, the question for us is, does this help me put the kingdom of God first? Or does this keep me from putting the kingdom of God first? And if it doesn't, thank you. You know? Adios. Bye. We get rid of it. And so are we, are we loving the people around us? You know, the kingdom of God values. Are we, are we trusting God for those things that we need? Is our life too crowded that we, that we can't uh, engage him? Are we filled with worry and stress and anxiety with all of our stuff? Or are we experiencing God's reign in our life? When we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, man, he will provide us everything, everything we need.